Morning, all three of you. <laughs> You're in the splash zone, you know that, right? Spit. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as always, I think we'll probably end up closer to at least 10, maybe 20 people in the next few minutes here, but we'll see. Um, it's also nice weather in summer and vacation time, so maybe we'll have. It's not me, it's them. Thank you. That's Bloomsday, that's true too. Oh, what is Bloomsday? It's the 75,000 people riding downtown. Oh, it's a big run downtown on the Sabbath? It's on the Sabbath every time. I know. Wow. Okay. Um, Did everybody get a handout? I have a couple more up here if you need them. We're all good? Okay. Um, Well, there's been a week break uh, without Sunday school, but before we talked about uh, Isaac introduced us to the narrative of Abraham and um, did, real, uh, did an overview of the narrative and walked through. There's a lot of chapters assigned to this story uh, for a good reason. Um, so appreciate Isaac walking us through the narrative and bringing out some finer points of that. But we're going to actually hone in today on a specific part of that story, which is the covenant uh, that God makes with Abraham and how that um, is really, you can't go through from this point on, you can't walk through scripture without just stumbling into this covenant all the way through to Revelation. So we're going to highlight that um, and highlight why it matters, not just to the Jews that are wandering right now being told this, but also to us sitting here uh, today. So um, anybody else need a uh Outline, I have one up here. I got you, Jack. Morning. Any others? Uh, No, I have a bunch out on the table as well, but I brought some in just in case. All right. Do you need an outline back there? You need one of these? Gotcha. Thanks. All right, so um, let me pray really quick and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for the spring and how everything is just green and blooming and growing quickly, including my weeds, but that's okay. Um, I thank you that there's just a different um, sense about the world and about community when it's a little bit warm and the sun's out and things look beautiful. And so we thank you for seasons and what they remind us of. We ask that you would be with us in this season um, and that you'd be with us this morning as we walk through um, essentially how you relate to us and how specifically you've wanted us to know you and uh, what our lineage and history is as believers and um, ultimately what you've done on the cross to fulfill it. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that we're even here able to talk about it and the mercy and grace you lavish on us. We ask for that this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Morning, guys. If you just come in, I have one more outline up here, but there's also some out on the table. Again, uh, my name is James Townley. Um, pleasure to be here teaching through this. Um, just as a recap, for those that just came in, 
Two weeks ago, Isaac walked us through the narrative of Abraham and um, showed us kind of points along the way that make up the big picture of that narrative. Um, today, we're going to talk about Abraham again, except we're going to hone in a little bit on a specific theological um, point in Abraham, which is the covenant that God makes and how that kind of unfolds throughout the narrative of Abraham, throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament, and to us sitting here today and how that um, is significant and why that matters. Um, so titled this, Standing on the Covenant Promises of God. And this is not just an Old Testament thing. This is for us today. God is a God of, uh, who, who relates to his people in covenant. Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that the distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe him obedience or do owe obedience unto him as their creator, yet they could never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. So the way that God has decided to relate to people is through covenant. Um, so sometimes he's been audible, sometimes he, he speaks in different ways, but ultimately always it's in the form of or in the unfolding of a covenantal relationship. And so um, the main idea that I want us to kind of have in our minds as we walk through this um, here on your outline is that just as Abraham looked forward in faith to the fulfillment of God's covenant promises, so we are called to look back in faith on God's covenant promises fulfilled. And so we're going to unfold that a little bit here. Um, before we do that, um, if anybody was here when Isaac walked us through Abraham a couple weeks ago, and because it's been a couple weeks, let's refresh ourselves with um, this narrative here. Um, let, let's do a little bit of a recap, and this will be participatory. Um, but how did this narrative kind of start? And we're going to read this passage. We're going to do a little bit of reading today. Um, but how did the Abrahamic narrative kind of get going? Right? So, okay, God just audibly calls Abraham and then calls him out of his homeland. Um, after that, like, wh where are we going with Abraham? What are some key events? And, and do we remember where we left off? Just anything you remember from Isaac. And Isaac's here, by the way, so don't hurt his feelings. Anything you remember from what Isaac said? Anything. <laughs> Yep. So God continues to bless Abraham sometimes in spite of his poor decisions, right? Okay. Yep, adventure. You're very gracious. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, we know what that's like in our lives, right? We don't make wise decisions all the time, and yet for some reason God still protects us from ourselves or blesses us in spite of a poor decision. He calls us to wisdom, but we're not capable of it all the time, right? And so God still blesses us. And Abraham is a great story to see, man, when God loves you and um, is going to use you in spite of yourself and you can't get away from it. So, Anything else, any other points from the last time we talked about Abraham? Thoughts? Things that stuck with you the last couple weeks? No, that's okay. Um, well, one of the important things that Kevin said is how it started and how Abraham was called out. So we're going to look at that. But the key topics that we're going to walk through this morning 
um, in the next 40 minutes or so uh, that I want us to, to focus in on are, one, um, we're going we're gonna to build this around covenant. And this idea of covenant hopefully is going to be cemented in your mind of what this means. Um, but first we're going to look at the promises of the covenant God makes with Abraham. The cutting of the covenant, and I'll explain what that means. It'll kind of be self-explanatory when we read it. Um, the covenant sign and seal, and then covenant fulfillment and implication. So that's going to be more New Testament, uh, today's church, the things that relate to us, what's been fulfilled and what's being fulfilled, and why that matters for us. Um, but first, what's, what's a covenant? Um, I have here just a, a simple um, definition, and the way I want us to think about it is it's a vow or an oath or a pact. So when God makes covenant with us, um, that's what that means. He is vowing or making an oath or a pact. And it has attendant blessings and cursings based upon the obedience to that covenant. Um, Aspects of the covenant are going to be unconditional that we're going to see, meaning like this can't change, we can't do anything about it, it's always going to be this way. There's also aspects of the covenant, i.e. the blessings and cursings, that do have conditions. Obedience equals this, disobedience equals that, right? So we're going to see that it's both, and, and only God knows how, like we, we like things to be in their boxes and we like rules and we wish maybe they're all unconditional or all conditional. Wish we could just really explain this, but his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. So there's aspects of the covenant that are both of these things, unconditional and conditional, and somehow he holds those things together. Um, also, um, we're going to see that this covenant is expansive and everlasting. So we're going to see, um, just like the Toledot structure that Isaac brought up last week and that we've been teaching through about how um, God is kind of focusing in with a, a camera lens onto a specific group of people, a specific line, a specific seed. So um, the covenant actually does the opposite. The covenant starts really, really um, finite and really um, small in its um, explanation and then continues to expand and be added to even or fleshed out or details are added or conditions are added. It starts to get bigger and more expansive. And by the time we get to the New Testament church, it's a covenant that is vast. It's for everyone. Um, it's the most gracious and merciful. It's just this big, expansive, um, gracious covenant that God is making with humanity um, if we would honor it. And it's because of Christ. And we're going to see that here. So uh, as we think about covenant, that's what I want you to think about. But um, if you turn to Genesis 12, um, and if somebody wants to read 1 through 3, um, we'll get started here into the narrative. And so we'll focus in on three main passages, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17, that are going to show us kind of the unfolding of the finer points of this covenant. So, Yeah, Kevin, if you can read 1 through 3. Thank you. Um, so we're going to, in this passage, and I left them blank for you if you want to fill them in, um, we're going to see four different promises that initially the Lord gives here. Um, but first I want you to, to, to pay attention to this. One is 
the narrative in, uh, of Abraham in Genesis is from chapter 11 to chapter 25. That's the most time, and I think Isaac mentioned this, this is the most time given to any specific character in all of Genesis, and Genesis is a very large narrative. And so I want you to pay attention. That's for a reason. The other thing to pay attention to is um, God is calling him away, and he doesn't just say, hey, pick up and go to another land. And if you heard God saying that to you, that may be enough. But he makes the point to say, forget your father, forget your family, forget your land, and go to a land that I'm going to show you. So what's happening here is he's saying, forget everything you know to this point. Forget everything that you hold dear. Forget everything that you're loyal to. And then go to a place that I'm not going to tell you yet. So what's God doing here? He's setting this up for Abraham, for the Israelites wandering in the desert, and for us looking at this passage that this point in Scripture, something changes drastically. Forget everything up to this point. This is a new thing that we're going to do here. I'm going to focus in on you. I'm going to wipe the slate clean and start over. So God is choosing a people right now from scratch, essentially, as, as, far, as far as you can. He's taking Abram, forget all these things. I'm going to give all new of these things to you. I'm going to build your family. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to, I'm going to replace all of that with something that I want, something better. But you have to go in faith. I'm not going to tell you all about it yet. Right? So large, many chapters given to this narrative. And this is the beginning saying, focus on these chapters. This is important, right? Um, so if you guys were to uh, pull out four promises from just these three verses that God gives to Abraham, what are the, the things that he's promising him? Um, what would be maybe the first one that we see? Land, right? So the other promises God gives is started by an I will, but he does say I'm going to bring you to a land. That's going to be yours. I'm bringing you to another land and not the one that you own now. The one is going to be different. So the first uh, bullet point there is God promises land. Okay. Um, What next? A nation. I will make you a great nation. So promise number two, if you're filling things in, is great nation. And you can add great in front of all these two. Um, So great land, great nation. Um, what's the third one? Is there one before that? That is one. So great blessing is, so I have that as my last one. Um, so he's going to make him a great blessing, but there's also one before that. Name. His name is going to be great. Look at us talking about him right now. I think that's been fulfilled. Like Abraham's name is great, right? Like here we are 4,000 years later discussing his name, right? Mission accomplished. Trust the Lord. Um, uh, Father Abraham had many sons. Did you learn that in, in Sunday school, right? Like being indoctrinated, you don't even know why, right? Because his name's great and it will be, right? So, um, and then Kevin said blessing is the fourth one. So we have uh, land, nation, great name, and blessing. And the blessing is... And a lot of these things are both going to be immediate and tangible to Abraham, but also 
a spiritual truth that's going to be realized later as well, right? So um, the biggest one of these uh, is blessing. So God is clearly blessing Abraham right now. You get land. I'm starting with you for no reason that you deserve. I'm giving you all these new things, riches, a name, inheritance, family, nations will come from you, right? But also you're going to be a blessing. So I'm blessing you, but you are going to be a blessing. You personally, your people personally, but also through you, you're going to bless the world. And that's not said here. Like I said, it's very um, minute what we're looking at in this passage. But as we look at the other ones, we're going to see like, oh, like it gets bigger. It gets greater, right? And it culminates with Christ. Um, so any questions or thoughts on just this first uh, passage in Genesis 12? We're going to head to 15, Genesis 15 next. But on the promises, just the kind of overarching promises of the covenant, the, the categorical promises. Any thoughts so far? Make sense at least? Head nods? Yeah? Okay. It's not, it's not very complicated. Um, Let's see here. Um, what, what's the, before we head to the Genesis 15, do you see a problem with the things that God's promising here and Abraham's current situation? Well, yeah, he's done nothing, but like, thank the Lord for that because I haven't done anything either. But, um, sure. Yeah, that's the one, right? Like, how do you get a nation from you? How do you um, have a great name that perpetuates throughout history? And how are you a blessing if when you die, your family dies? Right? So God is coming and it's audacious. I'm going to give you all these things. And Abraham's like, what? Like, I'm old, my wife's barren, right? Did you have a thought? Yeah. 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 I I don't know. Um, Other than the fact that I've never, and I'm assuming, like I think when we read this, we're assuming there's an audible dialogue. And if that were to happen, and we can look at that all throughout Scripture and say, well, if I was there, clearly with this sign in front of me, I would have believed, but like... I don't know, right? There's plenty of people that saw the most miraculous spiritual things happen in front of them, and yet, like the Pharisees, hardened their hearts, right? Pharaoh hardens his heart. Um, I mean, I think, I think God helped with that a little hardening, but, um, but, right? So, like, I don't know. Other than God is sovereign, and that's what he wanted to happen. And what God wants, he gets. Praise God. Okay. Um, any other thoughts on the promises or problems with this? Do we get a picture of where we're at here? Okay. Um, so uh, the, the questions that Abraham has, the, the apprehension that Abraham may have uh, is going to be shown here in um, chapter 15. And I'm just going to like speed read through this. Um, and we may do the same thing to 17. But it's just um, kind of got to read it all. So uh, moving on to the actual cutting of this covenant. So God promises things, and now he's going to make them cemented. 
Okay, so in, in, in chapter 15, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward, uh, and your reward shall be very great. But Abraham, Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, I have, uh, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And, he, and this is one of the earlier iterations that we get of the gospel, Right? So Abraham believes it's counted to him as righteousness. How did we become saved? People think that there's this huge discontinuity from the Old Testament and the New. But Abraham's saved by faith. Christ's righteousness exists now and is given to him based upon his faith in the promises of God. I don't see a difference between what we would confess and what's happening here. And yet, there's kind of this unspoken thing that that was then, this is now, like they were saved differently, they were operated differently, but here we see like, no, faith equals righteousness. Our faith, we get Christ's righteousness, right? So, um, one thing to note there, I'll continue in seven. And he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh Lord, God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Okay, thanks for bearing with the long reading there. Um, but we see, right, as I, when I stopped, righteousness through faith, this um, aspect of the gospel, this um, truth that's then now, but also this foreshadowing to, to what is preached all throughout the New Testament, Right? Justification by faith. Righteousness by faith. Is, we see this first iteration here. Um, but one of the first things we also see is Abram is getting these audacious promises from God. And um, we could just say, like, yeah, believe God. But 
Abraham needs assurance. Abram, at this point, needs assurance. Like, I don't have a son, and you're going to give me this great land. I'm going to father all these nations. Like, how do I know that this is true? Like, I, I don't know you until now. Like, how, how, how can I know this? And God doesn't rebuke him, right? And in fact, God gets into the trenches and says, like, let me show you how you can trust this, right? And um, what he does is pretty graphic, right? Like, have you stopped to think about what's actually happening here? Has anybody slaughtered an animal <laughs> or hit one with their car? <laughs> like, right? Um, so this is graphic. Um, this is not weird, though, to them. Um, this was very, very customary to ancient Mesopotamia, which is where we are and what Abram's being called out of. The ancient customs in Mesopotamia at that time, this would have been very normal. So today, we have it nice and neat where we get something notarized and we can sign it, and it's legally binding in court, right? Um, that was this for them. So when two people, you know, today we use a handshake, and even though that means a lot less nowadays, when I was growing up, that actually meant something where I could look at somebody and say, like, you do this, I'll pay you this much, shake hands, and we'd honor it. And that still somewhat exists, the idea of it exists, but now it's like, you better put that in writing, bro. bro. Like, I'm not going to do that until you put that in writing, and I'll sign it, and we'll each get what we want. But this was how they would do that. So what's happening here is in ancient Mesopotamia, two men would come upon an agreement. They would cut an animal in half, and they would both walk through together. And what they were symbolizing was, may this be done to us if we don't hold up our end of the bargain. Okay? So may I be cut in half. May I look like this bloody, butchered animal lying on the floor, dead, with the bird circling, if I don't make this widget for you in time. Or whatever it was, right? Like, if, if I don't give you my daughter's hand, or like, whatever agreement they're doing right then. But notice, like, the custom was two guys would walk through. Like, they would walk through together, and be both making this thing. But what happens here? How is it different? Only God goes through, right? Puts Abram asleep, right? So what is God saying? Yeah, if this covenant is broken, may this be done to me. And he doesn't even give Abram an opportunity to make that vow, knowing it never could be upheld. Right? What mercy from God. Right? So he, he's saying a couple things here. He's saying, um, I, I'm promising you all these things. Right? Um, and if I don't come through with my promise of land, of um, seed, of nations, of blessing, all these things. If I don't come through with that, Abram, this is your assurance. May this be done to me. Okay? Um, he's also saying something else that we're going to get to um, in the implications that's even much more beautiful than just this. But this alone, if Abraham's looking for assurance, God's saying, like, I, I, this is all on me. 
all of it is on me. The consequences of the breaking of these promises is all on me. And you're asleep. You're, like, you're in this covenant, this covenant I'm making with you, but I'm taking on all of the, the burden of the penalty of this covenant. And you don't take on any. You just get the blessing, right, at this point. Um, any other thoughts here as we're in Genesis 15 looking at this cutting of the covenant? That's what they would call it. That's in the original language. It's a cutting of the covenant because you're cutting animals, right? And it's brutal. There's, like, Abraham had to beat the, the vultures off the carcasses. Like, this is not a pleasant thing. And so, like, when you walk through, it's very visceral and tangible to, like, and a reminder to, like, man, I better do what I say I'm going to do. So, thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, and who's the audience first hearing this? And where are they at? And they're they're wandering in the desert after this, being freed from the sojourning and enslavement and 400 years. How incredible. Right? God is saying, none of that was an accident. All part of the plan. So your people, you're going you're gonna to father all these people. They're going to have a point of prosperity until they go into slavery. And it's going to be 400 years. And they're going to sojourn. And then I'm going to give them all this. And the, the people hearing this for the first time are walking in the desert, wondering what's next. And God's saying, here's where you're at in the story. Guess what's next? Land. Blessing. Yeah, let's keep reading. Yeah, let's keep reading. Yeah. Um, so this is beautiful. Um, another thing that's beautiful is, you notice that little tangent about the Amorites? Right? Like, I'm not going to give you all these things because I'm not done with them. Like, God does focus on Israel for his line right? But God holds the whole world, all people groups, every person, and he knows exactly what's happening. And he's got a purpose for it. The Amorites were in full-on rebellion against God, and he was patiently waiting with them, knowing that I'm giving you opportunity to repent, but they're not going to. I know they're not going to. And so part of you coming into the land and taking it for yourselves is taking it from them. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's two people groups that have kind of that, and that Edom, uh huh, and Amorites. They've had conflict before, yeah, and they've had opportunity to repent and have not. Yeah, it's more so on Edom. Edom is Esau, so Jacob and Esau, 
Esau becomes Edom, and um, yes, correct. Yeah, so there's a couple stories that are happening, and God doesn't forget, right? Um, so, yeah, good point. Um, anything else before we move on to Genesis 17? That's where we're going. And if there's big space on your outline, it's because I assumed maybe you'd want to take notes, so that wasn't an accident. So if it looks terrible, that's why. Um, so we've looked at the covenant promises. We've looked at the cutting of the actual covenant, the assurance God gives Abram and us, essentially, and Israel, um, the prophecies he makes, the things that have come to fruition, the things he's promising and guaranteeing. And now we come to the covenant sign and seal. So this is, again, a couple chapters later, but it's an unfolding of this covenant, right? We see the big picture. God gets more specific. He, he cuts the covenant tangibly, viscerally. And then now he's going to give a sign that is for the people to remember this, that this is true. And so um, I'm going to blow through 17 really quick. So chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant. To be to be God to you and to your offspring after. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in your flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall be surely circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Um, I'm going to go and stop there for time. But he continues to say how this is going to happen. Your wife is going to have children. You're going to have kings. You're going to have kingdoms born from your line. And then he pulls out a knife and goes and circumcises everybody. <laughs> so, like, uh, Abraham gets this sign. And he's circumcised. And then his whole household is circumcised. Um, in this last chapter here, including Ishmael, which is a, a point that I want to get to, his, his current son with the Egyptian servant of his wife, Hagar, Ishmael is his son through her. Um, one of the things I, I want to, you guys to notice is that this covenant keeps getting more detailed and it keeps expanding. All of a sudden now kings are going to come from your line, right? And it's an everlasting covenant. Like th this is going to be forever, and we see the conditional clause inserted here. So before it's been unconditional. God gives promises. He walks through the animals. If I don't do that, this happens to me. It's not conditioned upon your involvement. 
But then he makes the statement, this is my covenant which you shall keep. You and your descendants shall keep this covenant. You shall obey the terms of this covenant. So God is saying, now I'm adding a conditional aspect to this covenant. You need to obey it. Like, I'm going to give you commands under the guise of this covenant, and you need to obey them. And there are consequences now for not obeying them. So God's promised land up to this point, but when he brings Israel, this is further ahead in the story, when he brings Israel to the land, is he just like, here you go. And they walk in, they eat grapes, like, or what, what's before them, before they can actually settle in the land? Anybody remember? They got to push all the inhabitants out that he listed, right? The Kenizzites, the Girgashites, all the weird named people, right? Um, so he brings them and he says, this is yours, but like it's already yours. The condition is you have to go take it. Like you have to push all these people out because in my divine sovereignty, I have punishment for these people that are rebelling against me and you're my sword. They're in your land, it's yours. And I will give you victory over all of them, but you have to do the work. Faith is never, listen, never apart from obedience. Faith does not exist with just mentally assenting to an idea. It always involves a step forward. Always. Okay? So part of this covenant is faith equals righteousness, but inside of faith is obedience. Okay? When the spies go spy out the land, they find, lo and behold, all these people groups are there. And they're terrified, except for two, Caleb and Joshua. And they say, that's exactly what the Lord said we'd find. Let's go take it. It's ours. What are we afraid of? And they're like, the giants. He's like, but, but God said this is ours, and we have to take it. Remember, I shall obey your covenant. We shall obey your covenant. Well, the covenant promises the land. The covenant command is to take it. So faith and obedience are never apart from one another. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so we see the covenant expanded and enhanced. And then the sign and seal, which is circumcision. So what is this doing? What is this signifying? What is this sealing? Um, what it's showing is that this is an everlasting covenant and it's permanent. The foreskin doesn't come back. Right? So the sign of the cutting of the animals, right? Eventually the sacrifices in the temple, you can't get that back. Right? The cutting of the foreskin is a sign that you can never undo. This covenant is everlasting. My promises are forever. No takebacks. And every one of you males is going to be marked with this sign so that you remember through generation to generation, you can point at something that is very tangible and painful and, and very real. That is the shedding of blood that is always going to remind you it's going to be the sign of this covenant that I've made with you that it's everlasting. Um, it's also the seal. Like, it's showing, like, this is serious. These things will happen, right? And you are the people they will happen to. The people that are circumcised, the households that are circumcised, get the promises of this covenant. Okay, so that's what a co this covenant sign we see doing. Um, an interesting thing to note is he says on the eighth day, and even back then when they had no idea about this, Something happens in a child 
about the eighth day after being born, they get a boost of vitamin K that allows this to happen and their blood to clot. That's just a, a little side thing. But as I was looking at this, when I was deciding whether I wanted to circumcise my own son, I was like, whoa, do this around about this time because that's when the body, the baby's body can handle it naturally. Whoa, pretty cool. Um, and again, I'm not going to throw all my faith on that. That was one thing that I read. I don't know. Um, but don't take that home with you and say that that's all you learned here. Um, what it also shows is that um, salvation, the salvation that it is required uh, for us, costs blood. Right? There, there is a sacrifice that has to be made. And part of this sign is a shedding of blood. We'll see in the New Testament, the sign of baptism, no more blood's needed because it's been shed. Right? Once and for all. Um, another thing it was signifying is, I'm, Abraham, I'm cutting you out of the world that you knew. This is different. Like you're being cut off from the world. You're, not in the sense that you won't be in it, but you're different. This is different. Your people is different. Your sons and daughters, your people are different. This is a cutoff. Um, and then a confirmation that God would keep his promise. Uh, we see also the obedience clause that I already talked about. Um, so for the sake of time moving on, does anybody have any thoughts or questions about this covenant sign of circumcision? Does everybody kind of understand what's happening here? Um, one other note that I want to give you is, even in this covenant, we see that the faith is the same, the righteousness given through faith, and then there's a sign of this covenant, and that sign is given, is it given to believers? Or is it just given to Israel, to this new people group? So does the sign equal salvation? No. The first person he circumcises, aside from himself, is Ishmael. We know Ishmael is not in the people of God, right? And so baptism does not mean salvation. Circumcision does not mean salvation. It's a sign of something and a seal of something. It points to a reality, but it isn't the reality itself. It never has been, okay? So as an aside, when you brush up with some Presbyterians and they've baptized their kids, they're not saying that their kids are saved. They're saying they're in the community of God, just like here, right? We'll leave it at that. Um, uh, other notable passages that you guys should check out if you're interested in these things in the unfolding of the covenant. Genesis 22 is when Abraham raises a knife to kill his son, and then he's stopped by the angel of the Lord, and the covenant is more enhanced and unfolded. Because of this, you will be, and he increases his blessing. He makes it a little bit more known. Um, and then it's also a foreshadowing, obviously, of what God's going to do to his own son. Um, Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 31 are another unfolding of these promises where God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit eventually in those days looking forward. He's looking forward to the New Testament times, the new covenant. I'm going to pour out my spirit. That's going to be another unfolding of the covenant. You're going to get the spirit of God poured out on you, right? Um, so... That being said, uh, look at those passages if you want, but let's move to the last portion, which is the covenant fulfillment and implications. And um, we have like five minutes left, so I can't read through all these passages. I'm going to summarize them. Um, but this covenant 
often is viewed as Old Testament and then New Testament is all of a sudden this new thing that's different from that. And I want to tell you right now that that's not true. Like this is, there's a continuity between this covenant and the new covenant. When God says, when Christ says, a new covenant I make with you, it is not I am creating a new covenant from scratch. It is saying I'm taking this and making it new by enhancing it. So to give you similar language in the Bible, in, in Revelation, it says, behold, I am making all things new. What it doesn't say is I am making all new things. There's a difference. So your body in the heavenly state will be glorified, right? It is an enhanced, like the new heavens and new earth are enhanced there without sin. There's additions, there's beauty, there's all these things that are enhancing these things, but he doesn't throw away everything and then recreate. He makes these things new. And in the same way, the new covenant is taking old covenant and making it new by enhancing, by adding. There is no slave. There is no free. There is no male. There is no female. There is no shedding of blood that's needed anymore. The spirit is being poured out like it wasn't before. Everyone's being baptized in the spirit. Signs and wonders. These are newly added things to a covenant that is still continuous to today. And why do we know that? Because Paul goes through and, well, first in Luke 1, you'll see that when Mary is told that she's going to have the Son of God, we know it as the Magnificat, Magnificat, her prayer, her praise to God. She says, praise you, God, in your mercy for remembering your covenant with Abraham. Christ coming equals fulfillment of that covenant. Thank you for remembering it. Zacharias, the, the father of John the Baptist, in the same chapter, is told, your son is going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. He gets his speech back, and then he prophesies. And he says, thank you, God, in your mercy, for giving me the forerunner to the Messiah and remembering your covenant with Abraham. So the fact that people draw a line from Old Testament to New Testament is in some ways correct. There's aspects of the law that we no longer observe. But the promises of God go all the way through. So um, we see that in Acts 1 and 2. We see when Peter preaches the first sermon and 3,000 men get saved, we see that, what does he say? You see these people, you think they're drunk, but remember in Joel, remember in Ezekiel, when it said that God was going to pour out his spirit, that's happening right now. And the promise of this Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to the sojourner and all that are far off. The promise of that. And they say, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. So he's harking back to this promise that was made. This promise that was then made in the Old Testament in Ezekiel of the Spirit coming, in Joel of the Spirit coming. This is happening. And the promise is for you and your children. And the language that he uses is the same language God uses in his covenant with Abraham. Blessing to you, to your generations after you, right? To your children. Same language. And all those people would have heard, oh, 
That's the same thing Abraham was told. That's the same thing Moses was told. That's the same thing David was told. That's the same thing the prophets were told. Oh, that promise is for us and our kids, and we need to baptize. Like, why baptize? Well, because at this point, Christ has died. The one sacrifice for all, the blood that's been shed on behalf of God's people, and no longer does there need to be a sign signifying the shedding of blood. Now we have the pouring out, the washing of the Holy Spirit, and we have the sign of baptism signifying that blood has been spilt, and now we are washed clean, right? The Spirit is poured out on us, and that is now going to be the sign of this new enhanced covenant. Um, so some of the points that I have here is the blessing to all nations is revealed and fulfilled in the New Testament in Christ because Christ is of the line of Abraham all the way back, right? The line of Judah, right? As we trace through the seed, Christ comes from that and through in Abraham's loins at the time was Jesus eventually, right? So now he's a blessing to all the nations and all the world. Abraham has been, right? Um, we see the new covenant enhanced, the new covenant sign of baptism, the covenant continuity, and the one th two, uh, two things that I want to get to before we leave. Remember when God was cutting the covenant, when he separates the animals, and he walks through, right, and says, all the promises that I've given you, may this be done to me if I don't come through on my word of those promises. Well, then what's introduced to the covenant is an obedience clause, right? You get these things based upon obedience, you get blessing to the thousandth generation. But you'll get cursing to the third and fourth if you don't obey my covenant. If, you don't if you're not circumcised, you're out of my covenant. Like, there are conditions now to this covenant of obedience. And so, what God is saying is not just if I don't fulfill my promises that I've promised you, may this be done to me. By leaving Abraham out of the cutting of this covenant, he's saying if you don't obey, may this be done to me. And then it is in Jesus. Jesus comes and is torn asunder, is slaughtered because the people have sinned and not kept covenant. He came and lived perfectly. He kept the covenant perfectly. He obeyed God perfectly, and then he went to the cross, and he was cut. God, in Genesis 15, was saying, if you don't hold up your end, I have to die. And then he sent his son to do it. He knew right then that that was happening. The whole time. He knew right then the cost of the covenant he was cutting. and knew that we would never obey, yet he asked us to. And then, once and for all, the last sacrifice ever needed that was f uh, of blood was on the cross in Christ, and we need not another. And so now we don't need to cut off foreskin to represent. We don't need to sacrifice animals. None of that is necessary. We simply get washed by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, and given new life, and that's what baptism is now representing um, that's our heritage. And then in Romans, in Galatians 3 and Romans 4, we hear that we are the offspring of Abraham. So now what's happening is in, in this 
original passage is talking about an actual people, Israel. It's talking about these people right in front of them, the people reading, oh, this is us, this is us. And we see the heritage go through. And now Paul is saying, if you have the same faith that was credited to Abraham as righteousness, you are Abraham's offspring. So it's not just about Israel. It's now also the church. In Romans 11, Paul talks about an olive tree, an olive, and Christ is the root that the Gentiles are grafted into. So Israel, the believers of Israel, the ones that had faith, are the same as the Christians today that have faith. But there is the greater Israel, not all of them have faith, and there's the greater church, and not all the church has faith. But the ones that have this faith are Abraham's offspring. So now, when you're thinking about going on Ancestry.com and you're sending in your DNA wondering, where do you come from? Right here. You have it. This is your history now. These are your fathers. These are your brothers, your sisters. This is your story now because of Christ. Any other thoughts before we dismiss and go to the bathroom and get coffee? Correct. Yeah, they weren't being jerks. They just, yeah. no, no, you really need to do this. Like, God told us. Yeah. He's like, well, let's talk about that. But yeah, uh, again, thank you. So the new main idea restated as was before is now that just as Abraham looked forward in faith to the fulfillment of God's covenant promises in Christ, so we are called to look back on faith are in faith on God's covenant promises fulfilled in Christ. It's the same salvation, right? And um, let me pray. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the salvation. Thank you for sending your son and culminating this covenant. Thank you for covenanting with us as your people. Thank you that Abraham's story matters so much so that we are his offspring. Um, thank you for revealing all these things to us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And thank you for remembering your promises. And it's in Jesus' name uh, we pray. Amen.